Hello, and welcome back to the Zatsu Dive. I'm Yuki. And Noah here. And this is a podcast about VTubers, uh, and also anime and gaming through the lens of VTubing. Yeah. Alright. So, like, last time we talked about, like, what is a VTuber, and, like, the introduction to it. Mm-hmm. But, like, recently, I've been scrolling through Twitter. Oh, no. I've been seeing a lot of pre-debut VTubers. I know, Twitter is scary. But like, there's a lot of pre-debut VTubers and like, I think they are using the term wrong. So, I don't know because like, they would, they would use the, the term pre-debuting and then they'll stay, they'll stay at that region of being a pre-debut VTuber for like one year. So like, what's, what's even a debut at that point if you're already streaming as a VTuber for like one, one year plus kind of thing? Yeah. I th- what do you think? I think that it can be tough actually committing to a debut. And there's a lot of reasons why people kind of stall out in that pre-debut phase. And I definitely agree. There are a lot of people who have been pre-debut for a really long time. I think the we touched on it last week as well, but the the concept of the debut is kind of this like artificial barrier that a lot of VTubers feel they have to get past. Right? You have to have like this big... A uh, balls to the wall kind of event where you, you know, drop a bunch of assets, have like a lore video, spend a bunch of money, try and get as many eyes on you as possible for the one day and try and, you know, convert some of those people who are going to click in for one time only into semi-regulars or regulars. So I, I understand why people want to do it, but it is really expensive and it is a lot of stress and work to do. So I think that's part of why people kind of stall out at it. I don't know that I would... So previously, I used to have pre-debut in my Twitter tag as well. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, ultimately, most people who click into my like Twitter page or they see me comment on something, they don't really care if I've debuted or not. They just kind of need to know if I'm a VTuber or not. So I took it out. I don't know if I'm even going to do a debut personally. I don't think it's necessary. Like we touched on, there's a lot of things that people do just because VTubers do them, but I don't think it's necessary. I think ultimately, you got to you gotta really realize or conceptualize, do I actually want to do all of these things? Because it is, like I said, a lot of time and money that you have to spend. And if you don't want to do it, but you feel like you're doing it because you're obligated to do it, it's not going to turn out super well. I think it would just be better off to just silently debut and just be like, yeah, I'm just a VTuber. I don't need a debut. Yeah, I think so too. But like the, the weird thing about it though is like some VTubers already has like all the assets needed and like everything prepared but like they just act like they're pre-debuting just to get the hype the hype up you know and like try to keep the tension there so like they get relevancy i guess yeah i can guess which i can see why right yeah i think a lot of people do do that where uh, like the hype behind the idea of a debut is really enticing and so what they do is they're like constantly between debuts or they never are quite ready to debut and it keeps getting pushed back. I don't know that it's malicious, but it is the case that like I, I look at some people and I'm like, are, are you ready yet? Uh, n- no. OK, that's I guess take your time. But it is an interesting phenomenon where you have people who are producing content and, you know, they have really high concurrent viewers and they're really active on lots of platforms and they've like established a foothold and everything, but they're still technically pre-debut. I I know that for me at least, like I wouldn't want to do it until I had 
like a rigged model, even if the rest of my assets are ready before then. So I guess that might be it. It's also really confusing because you have, like I said, established VTubers who every time they have like a new outfit or something, it's a new debut. And it's like, you already debuted. You can only oh, yeah. debut once, right? You can like have an outfit reveal or something. But the terminology gets really muddled there where people just it's like one of those things where like we like we said, where the term has a lot of baggage that it carries, like a lot of extra emotional weight that makes people want to tune in to see a debut. But it's not always the case that like you're actually debuting. I feel a lot of VTubers do do the thing of start streaming with a PNG or whatever, because making content is the best way to get experience in making content, but then your first stream was kind of your debut, no? Yeah, exactly. I do know people hey, who did do like the traditional big corporation style VTuber debut, right? Like, you know, where they will have like one announcement post on Twitter where they like tease a bunch of stuff and then they will a couple, like a week later or whatever, when whatever the date that they've set is, that's when they'll like do the big debut stream and they'll, you know, reveal the model and reveal all the assets and do a little PowerPoint, have a lower video, whatever. Um, I think that it makes sense to call a debut, but I haven't seen anyone do that where they drop like the teaser or like the debut date and then wait a really extended amount of time. It feels like people who people who do that are a little more organized uh, maybe than I am. And so they're able to have that all pre-planned and they don't have to sit in that pre-debut tag for very long, if at all. Yeah, it makes me it makes me feel like, you know, that the whole debut thing is like very overrated, especially Agreed. for indie VTubers, because like uh, I think last time we touched up on it, like um, Hololife and Niji Sanji are like the for forefront runners of the VTuber community. So like a lot of people will follow them and they always have that big, oh, new VTuber debut, holy like you know that kind of kind of reaction from the fans and so like a lot of indie vtubers are like hyper fixated on oh i also want that i also want that like you know that big debut day you know everybody has it's like an anniversary kind of thing you know but i uh, in my opinion like if you're indie you definitely don't really need it yeah it's just like a honor honorary kind of thing to do i guess but then again, like even big companies don't have like, you know, that pre-debut phase where they, I guess they do. Like they, they, they are active on Twitter for like one or two days prior to the debut. Like they do an announcement first of them actually going to debut and then they have a Twitter and then they, you know, they talk on it for like two or three days and then they, they post their first YouTube video, which is their debut. But I don't, I don't really see that happening for like, uh, the indie scene yeah so like it feels kind of weird for me like to see like oh being pre-debut for like so long and like you're you're doing like debut vtuber stuff already so like what's what's the difference kind of thing yeah i do agree that it is this like romantic notion of like having a debut anniversary it's very appealing and like we said making the big splash right when you're starting off is really important. Um, it's not like you're not going to convert every 
I don't know if you get like 200 viewers on your first stream, you're not going to convert the vast, vast majority of them into people who ever come back necessarily. But if you can convert like, I don't know, two or three of them, that's like a solid foundation to start. And so I get it. I also think that ultimately you're allowed to call yourself whatever you want and you're allowed to do whatever you want. But it is it is odd to see like words kind of the meaning of them kind of being blurry. I don't think it's a bad yeah. thing necessarily. It's just odd. Yeah, we're not <laughs> hating on it. It's just like weird to us. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to point out and to be like, hmm, what does this mean really, right? Like, is it because people are blindly following like the Hollow Lives and the Niji Sanjis and the whoever else? Is it because they've thought about it and they're like, oh yeah, I really do need a debut for like growth metrics purposes? Is it because they are the type of person who doesn't look at their Christmas presents in their parents' closet and they just want the big reveal all at once. Is it, you know, any of those reasons? And, you know, it might be all of them, might be none of them, might be whatever, but yeah, like I said, I, I when I get something new, I just want to, I want to play with the new toy. So I find it hard to, yeah, to wait. Understandable. Yeah, like once you get something new, you know, you just want to show it immediately. Look, I have this cool new asset, you know? Yeah. I think that the big reveal is really your your model movement the first time. I think that makes a lot of sense to like bake your debut around. So either either that or like the first reveal of what your character design looks like. I think those are two of like the splashiest things you can do. And so Or like a big redesign. Exactly. But the thing with like the big redesign is isn't that just like uh, it's not the word debut doesn't really fit there right it's like a, a reveal or it's like a re-debut yeah I've, kind of is? yeah i've seen people use that term like re-debuting um and i guess that is fine too it's just odd i guess i don't know from like the perspective of like i'm not super invested in like the idol space but i'd be really interested to see I know idols debut. Do they ever re-debut? Are you ever a pre-debut idol? Probably not, right? Because you're produced by someone. Yeah. So it's just an interesting, I think, uniquely VTuber phenomenon of like, hey guys, take a look at my stuff. I'm not quite ready to like, you know, say that I'm fully, fully, you know, out there in the world. But hey, take come come look at my stuff. Um, and I think there are people who do see the pre-debut tag and they think, oh, this is kind of cool. I want to be there on the ground floor when this person uh, starts, you know, full full send. Because a lot of the times you can kind of tell if someone's going to, you know, quote unquote, make it um, pretty early on. And so there is a certain type of person who wants to be, you know, someone's one of someone's first viewers and be there for the whole journey. And so I guess in that sense, the pre-debut tag is pretty useful for signaling to that type of person like, hey, Maybe come check me out. I think it's also cool for pre-debut VTubers to like support other pre-debut VTubers, right? You have like a bunch of people who are starting out at the similar time as you. And so you can kind of form a cohort and, you know, work through things together. It does get blurry though, like we said, if you're in that pre-debut status for a really long time, because someone who started, you know, three days ago who has the tag and someone who started three months ago who has the tag. As someone who started like a year ago who has the tag, they're all in different stages of the journey and they don't necessarily have that much in common. There are definitely some shared 
things that, you know, everyone who's a VTuber or everyone who's online or whatever has, but the pre-debut tag in that case can maybe be misleading. So I don't know. I don't have a great answer one way or another on like, should people use it? I think it's just a matter of thinking about all this stuff on your own and being like, does it make sense to apply this to myself? I see. Like, I, I'm, I'm just like confused about like the whole thing. It's, n- it's not like I'm hating on it necessarily, mm-hmm. but like it just feels weird to have like a v a pre debut phase, especially when you're not like when your debut day is gonna be like the same as your normal content. Yeah, might be just like honorary or like something they just you know want to do because like like I said like big companies do it you know it's like a cool thing it's like a culture thing maybe but yeah it's on like the gray line like you said yeah I do I do wonder if this is like a thing where if you came into the space through the indie scene if it wouldn't be super odd to you because anecdotally personally I came into the space through watching at the beginning mostly just corporate vtubers and even the indies who i started watching early on had already debuted or they weren't using that tag and so i didn't really see the pre-debut tag until i was already more invested in the vtuber space and so i was like huh that's interesting i think i think it came up more recently as well i don't think you would see it like three to four years ago when Kizuda I was at the top, right? Yeah. Everyone was like a corporate corporate like watcher. Corporate enjoyer. Right? Yeah. So. I mean there there has been like a very dedicated and passionate indie scene since back then, if not earlier. But it's it's definitely one of those things where just the sheer growth in the VTuber space meant that even if the proportion of people using the tag were the same, you just run into it more. I do think you're right though that more people proportionally are using the tag. I do though also recall that like back in that 2020 era, you did have people who had like- The EN wave? Yeah, with the hollow EN wave. Like at that time, there were also like, you know, big VTubers who were about to debut. Like Fruit from Vishojo um, was in like her pre-debut phase, I guess you would call it back then. Like teasing a lot of content, kind of slow drip, um, especially around like her design and her model. And I don't know if she specifically was doing it, but I do recall from back then people would have like VTuber name in their Twitter type, like Twitter tat, like uh, their, their like Twitter name, right? They'd have like VTuber name, the word VTuber, and then debut and a date. And it's not the same as having like the word pre-debut because that word has like more baggage to it, but it is kind of similar of like announcing, hey, I'm not fully out there yet, but I'm here. So I do think it's not an entirely new phenomenon. I definitely agree though that it's an increasing phenomenon, like increasingly common. And I don't know for sure why that would happen. I wonder if it's just more and more people see VTubers and like, I want to be a VTuber. And then they start and they realize that they want to have a debut, but they're not quite ready. And they see other people using the pre-debut tag and it kind of snowballs and you have more and more people using it. Yeah. But it's definitely, yeah, not a new phenomenon, but more and more common with every day. Yeah. 
and I I like how you touched up on like the Vishojo stuff. I I almost forgot like Vishojo isn't like a corporate group. They're just like a they're just like a normal VTuber group, right? They're not under any like company or anything. Technically, Vishojo is like a corporate entity, but they try and not have like a really heavy corporate air to it. Um, I don't know exactly how they work, but from the outside looking in, it feels pretty flat structure, not a lot of hierarchy. And also like the talent freedom meme seems really in effect here, right? Where there's not a lot of restriction on what they're allowed to do. I mean, you have Project Melody, right? So if she's yeah. uh, if she's kosher in your group, then you can probably do whatever the hell you want, um, which is cool. I'm glad that they exist because it would be less it would be more restrictive feeling i think if all of the biggest vtuber groups were kind of big corporations that had that really heavy corporate air to them and so having a group that's really popular where it does feel just like a bunch of friends who are you know bullshitting around <laughs> is good um, because as we said like what happens from like at the top level bleeds down to the lower levels in terms of you know what trends and behaviors people feel are worth doing on and off stream I, I do feel like they influenced a lot onto the community like the vtuber community as a whole even in jp i think they respect vishojo interesting not too sure on that but like you can you can tell like vishojo like really really like release the tension that like you said the big companies you now being like corporate strict all my all my vtubers are idols kek kind of thing so like they're, they're like very nice to have like an addition to the community yeah i think it's nice having people on or, or entities on all over the spectrum in terms of like idol to gremlin and uh, I think that's that's really good. So talking about like the strict VTuber corporations, what do, what do you think about like the Hololife corp, cover corp like mentality of having all all their talents being quote unquote idols? Ooh, that's actually a really good question. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. There's definitely a huge market or a huge percentage of like the VTuber market like fan base market share that really wants that. Like they really, really, really want that. If you go back to like anime, even there's like a, a really big fan base for just, you know, cute girls doing cute things or idol anime and tapping into that in like a live content experience is a fantastic thing. It's really good for cover corp. It's really good for the talent and it's great for the fans. It can definitely be restrictive if you are someone who can't or doesn't really want to play ball by that. So if you want to kind of shed the idol mantle a little bit, it's a little tough. It's interesting with Hololive specifically because it feels like there's different standards applied to different branches, if that makes sense where the JP... Yeah, it really does. Yeah, like the JP branch is just very heavy on the idol focus, whereas the foreign branches are kind of closer to 
just normal streamers, but with a little bit of, you know, idle goodness there as well. And so there's this weird duality if you're like a Hololive fan, where maybe you're a big fan of the idle stuff. And so you look at like the EN side or the ID side and you you see them kind of issuing that and you're like, this isn't Hololive or vice versa. It can be tough. There's also the the thing that we keep going back to of like Hololive does set the trends. Maybe not as much now that there are, you know, other really big entities that are established that people can look up to for ideas and inf be influenced by. But there are a lot of people whose concept of a VTuber is whatever Hololive is producing. And so the idol stuff kind of... The first word I wanted to use was like contaminates, but that's not really... It's a little too negative. Like the idol stuff kind of just bleeds into what the public conception of a VTuber is. And it goes back to like the debut idea, right? Like the whole reason it's a debut is because idols debut. And if everyone wants to be an idol like VTuber, or they think that VTubers have some idol like cons uh, qualities to them, then of course people want to have a debut because VTubers are idols and idols debut. And I think it's a thing that cover is aware of and I feel like they're kind of trying to move away from it, especially in the farm branches. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of JP Hololive in a little while. I've been very busy. But for the farm branches, you know, you have all sorts of unidle like things happening. Like recently, Hollow Stars EN, uh, Hollow Tempest debut, and those dapper young gentlemen uh, collabing with some of the EN girls, I think is something that could maybe be contentious, but the fact that it was able to happen shows to me that Hololive, at least again, the foreign branch, is not trying to be pure perfect idols, which is a good thing. I think if the talents want to be pure perfect idols, you can let them. And if they want to collab with whoever the hell they want to, then you should also let them do that. Mm. The, the idol branding does feel like a very, very sharp double-edged sword. Because you know, at one side you have like the JP hardcore idol fans, which like dies by the like the line of them being idols, and then you have like the EN side saying, "Oh, they're just streamers, you know, they don't even do idol stuff. What's the point, you know?" At the time where Hollow Life EN wasn't even a thing, I feel like Hollow EN was hundred percent catered catered to it towards EN fans. Because Cover Corp probably saw like, oh, EN, EN fans don't really like the idol thing we're going with. So like, let's just do a, like a casual, like a bunch of streamers kind of thing. And it, it really worked out and now they're popping off. Yeah, I think that formula that was kind of introduced with uh, Hollow Myth and then refined over time with the, the follow-up generation, as well as kind of Niji Sanji EN. I think has been really successful and the global market is not the Japanese market and smart corporations know this and the content that they want to produce for the global market should reflect the tastes of the global market. There are definitely, you know, idol otakus in the EN fan base and that's fine. They're allowed to, you know, want their, their VTuber to be an idol, but I think most of the that fan base is not tied to that. You know, there's not a heavy idol culture in many parts of the world. 
And so trying to force that seems like a good way to alienate your audience. So I'm definitely of the opinion that letting it, like testing the waters and finding out what's what's doing well and letting that rock is definitely the way forward. It, it's kind of funny because like they did kind of alienate like the fan base due to like the idol stuff right around like COVID hit and then the Ian wave sub starts coming in because like I think before that the idol that like they are very cover Corp was very focused on making them like idols even though they don't appear to seem so and then when allegations start coming in and then it gets like very strict because of the idol branding the the overseas fans like all blew up on like all social media and then cover Corp knew like they messed up big time and so like it's good to see them like adapting and changing slightly it, it it's definitely not perfect the the whole hololife is very like the whole hololife as like a brand and a company and a group feels very flawed hot take feels very flawed and they do have like a lot of situations where they really mess up and alienate their fan base, I still feel like. Mm-hmm. But they're getting better 100% as to, you know, two years ago. Yeah, I definitely agree that there have been some co- controversies, I guess is the safest way to say it. I definitely don't want to dive into any of that right now without having done a lot of research um, and knowing what I'm saying for sure. But I do think that the idol stuff has been a boon a lot of the time, but when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. And so making sure that that doesn't happen by walking it back seems totally smart. And I do agree that cover kind of blew up unexpectedly and they felt definitely growing pains because of it. But it does seem like they're moving in the right direction, at least from my uneducated, very limited POV. I think the interesting thing then is to compare and contrast the Hololive approach with like the Niji Sanji approach, right? Of just like having streamers who do feel more like just everyday people streaming. Personally, that's what I'm more familiar with. Like my background as like a streamer and a stream viewer kind of just goes back to like watching people play games for, for a really long time. And so having more of just a dude playing a game or just a gal playing a game feels closer to what I would expect from a streamer. And so I think that's why that approach kind of really resonated with people. And it feels more like there's less of a gap. I think part of the part of the idol appeal is that there is kind of this gap between the idol and the viewer or the fan, right? There's There's a space that is hard to really get close and that lets you kind of idolize the person, hence the word idol. But with like a like a, a liver or a normal, you know, flush streamer, you get a lot more of a sense of who they are and it gets like a a different type of connection. Um, and they're both appealing and it's not like one's better than the other, but it is interesting to see how both styles of approach have been so successful and how people are kind of slowly, I feel like, more moving to the second one where you just kind of maybe you play a character on stream or maybe you're just you with an avatar on stream. And in both cases, you're not trying to be an idol. 
Yeah. Niji Sanji does definitely feel like closer to people. And like people can definitely relate to them. Because as you said, they're not like branded as idols. They don't act like idols necessarily. I mean, they, they have like idol events. Like quote unquote events. But like they, they do definitely just feel like a bunch of people just streaming. Having an avatar replace like your face. You know, and doing your own stuff. It's like more relaxed. It's more free. And it feels like, you know, like when you watch their streams, it feels like you're just, you know, hanging out with a friend as like a Hololive um, stream. You would kind of feel like you're like in a, in a side event for an idol kind of thing, you know? Not necessarily like bad between the both. Like nothing's bad either side. But a lot of people during like the Ian wave hitting uh the VTuber community a lot of people will watch Hololife first and then move to DG Sanji that's what will happen for most people because what what happens is Hololife shines very bright because of their idol image right they also had like a collab with Azuri Lane around that time <laughs> as well so like they're booming Right, they're, they're like the face of the VTubers at the time, and then because when you when you're new to the community, you just see like the the most famous VTubers, and at the time it was Hololife, and so like everyone would watch them first. Oh, shining so bright, it's fine. You no know, hanging, it feels like hanging out with idols. It does sometimes. Sometimes it's more degen, sometimes it's not, but when they when most people discover Niji Sanji, it feels like they're more attached to them emotionally, I feel like. Personally as well, I am more emotionally attached to Niji Sanji. Just from the fact that, you know, sometimes it just happens like uh, a VTuber just goes drunk on 5am in the morning, <laughs> playing some random game, you know, doing dumb stuff, like something that'll happen like between your friends kind of thing, you know? It just feels close to home. Not necessarily saying like Color Life doesn't do that, but like it's way more frequent on Niji Sanji's side, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's uh, an uncommon take, personally. Um, there's definitely... Uh, it, it does feel very common, uh, like my take. Yeah. Because I, like, I, was, I was reading on like a lot of listeners' comments at the time. Mm -hmm. Because for some reason... People really, 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 really like to compare like the two companies mm -hmm. for no reason. <laughs> They're like very different from each other. Like they cater towards kind of different people, in a way. Like the old, the old two companies. Mm -hmm. But you know, people like to argue, and then they pitch in why A is better than B or B is better than A, and then a lot of toxicity. But in that argument, there's a lot of like very valid like takes from people, and most of them like are saying the things that I just said, just moving from Hololife to Niji Sanji because it feels more like home. Yeah, there's a there's a meme about the pipeline being Hololive to Niji Sanji to Indies or to to small corporates. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I don't I don't think I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you're allowed to like whatever you want. And a lot of people will start with whatever is the most popular and then branch out from there. And so I think that's kind of why, maybe maybe a reason why yeah. Hololive feels like the entry point. And yeah, there is a lot of gatekeeping 
there's a lot of tribalism. You know, people who are a fan of something want to make sure that everyone knows that that thing is the best. And if you like other yeah. thing, then you're an idiot. So yeah, it's just there are a lot of crazy friends, crazy, crazy fans in this community. It's insane. Yeah, I do think it's interesting, though, that you talked upon. I don't know. For me, when I think of like the, the Niji Sanji, like like being like personable and feeling like just like a friend for me, it's always uh, it's always Kuzuha. Right. He just he's just a bro. And I think that's part of why he is so popular is it just feels like you're hanging out with your bro. What's interesting to me, yeah. too, though, is like I used to watch. I still do a little bit. I used to watch a lot of uh, JP Hollow Stars and I got the same vibe from them. But it's just interesting to me that like the level of scope of their audience was always very different because I feel like Hollow Stars was in like this weird space of like they were male idols, but they were also just like bros hanging out. And it was like this weird dichotomy where like the audience for both of those things isn't necessarily as large. And so you kind of have to be a fan of both of them um, to be a really diehard Hollow Stars fan. And I, and I really do love my Hollow Stars. Um, but it is just interesting to see like different approaches or not even different, like approaches that are quite similar, but just have very different results. I think part of that is just like the association with Cover Corp of like being a company that produces idols. I think that kind of held back Hollow Stars initially. Um, I, I don't know. I don't want to be like a drama, like or a clout chaser or anything yeah. here and like be like, yeah, blah, 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 numbers. But it is interesting to like look at the the success of Tempest and how they are evoking that thing that made me really love, you know, some of the VTubers that I I love of just being like a bunch of bros. And it's just fantastic to see that uh, that type of success that they have in the EN scene, because I think people were people, I don't know, worried, but a lot of people are like, there's just no market for that type of thing. Um, and clearly that is, yeah. which is awesome because that's the type of thing that I like to emulate personally. Um, and I like to see more of It's just, you know, dudes hanging out, having fun, but they're anime. The, the, like another, another side of the appeal for that is also when you watch like big corporate, um, VTubers, you most probably will follow like other talents in their agency. So when you watch like Niji Sanji, for example, Kuzuha like hangs out around of like different groups and it feels like, you know, going to like different circles and like experiencing with him kind of thing. And like, it, feel, it just feels close. It really, it really does. And then you have like the big, I don't know why, but it, Niji Sanji has so many members. And the crazy thing about it is like all of them are pretty diverse you have like everything to pick pick to like what you like what you don't and like it caters to like everyone i think they have every type of personality in it it's insane i i completely agree i think a lot of corporations or not even corporations just groups are looking to emulate that in terms of having like a stable a wide stable of members or talents or whatever you want to call them who appeal to all these different, who have all these different personal personality types that appeal to a broad audience. If you look at like smaller corporations, um, you see the same thing where they have, they don't try and lean into, you know, oh, our group is, you know, the really bright, you know, super Genki group. 
or our group is just, you know, just a bunch of really relaxed people because I don't think you can find lasting success like that because not, not only do individual viewers want a little bit of fresh air like that, but you also need to like have like a broad audience in order to be able to drive, <laughs> excuse me, growth. And so, yeah, I think, I think the Niji Sanji method, if you, I don't even know if I would call it the Niji Sanji method, but just like the, the going for having like that broader pool of talent who have, you know, different interests and different personalities and behaviors just makes a lot of sense from like a production aspect. Uh, not that I claim to have any knowledge on that, but it is, it is, like you said, it's really cool to like be a fan of someone and have them do that type of interaction with other people who you are fans of. And I think that's one of the advantages of corporate, like the corporate structure is you have like pre-built collab partners or like a pre-built circle of characters really who can interact with each other. I think that's part of why like ensemble cast anime is so popular, right? You have all the different quirky personalities and seeing them, you know, run around and do hijinks together um, and seeing unexpected combinations is really entertaining. And that's like kind of what VTubers are, right? Is like live action anime kind of, right? You know, real time. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And so having that as like a model to go look at and be like, okay, well, you know, is what is the ensemble cast in like a really popular anime look like? You know, what types of personalities and visual designs are they hitting on? Um, I think if I were producing a, like a group or like a company or something, that would be something that I would use as an inspiration to be like, okay, we know that this works in this one medium that is, you know, it's very different, obviously, anime and like streaming as a VTuber are very different, but they ultimately share, you know, um, a good cross section of fans as well as, you know, themes and other elements. And so it does make sense to, in my opinion, at least, uh, take a look at that. Who do you think stands out to you in like the corporate circle of VTubing? Like which VTuber? Uh, uh, you mentioned Kuzaha, other than Kuzaha. Yeah, so which corporate VTubers kind of pop the most? That's an interesting. Pop the most to you. To me? Okay. Very interesting. I mean, I feel like <laughs> this is one of those questions where no matter how you answer, you're going to piss someone off because you left out their favorite. No, no, no. Yeah, but... Honestly, it's, we just talk about our opinions. It's our podcast anyways. Yeah, exactly. So for me personally, um, if it wasn't already obvious, I got into VTubing really wholesale with the Hall Life EN when they started. So for me, one of like the the core VTubers will always be Amelia Watson. I think what she did early on with like some of the content ideas that she had were really, 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 really smart and innovative. I think she has carved out a niche for herself that's very entertaining, where she has a very specific brand um, and feel to her streams. But she also has like, you know, she also subverts that on occasion, which is really fun. So I think she's one of like those core VTubers that a lot of people are really influenced by, especially in the EN scene. I think she's had a tremendous influence. Um, in terms of like Japanese VTubers, it would probably be Bekura. I feel like her 
growth and explosion, especially with like the Hololive Minecraft era, was just absurd. Um, to the point of, if you're a VTuber and you haven't heard of Pekoro, you're probably you're probably a weirdo. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, because she's just so she's just had such a gigantic influence. Um, I'd also really admire her for like the separation she keeps between herself and her audience. Um, I think it's really easy when you have a big audience like that to overshare um, and to become, you know, to encourage some unhealthy parasocial uh, aspects. But she does, I think, a very intentional job of maintaining a healthy layer of separation um, while still being, you know, really fun and personable and pulling you in and making it feel like, you know, you're there right alongside her, you know, adventuring or causing mischief or whatever. So I think both of the two of them, at least from Hololive, are probably, if I had to pick, you know, just two, would be my ones that I'd say they have, like, the most, um, for me at least, they have, like, uh, had an outstanding influence. Mm. What about you? Interesting. Mm, the one that popped up to me, like, the brightest, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but there is a VTuber called Hyakuman Tenbara Salome mm -hmm. from Niji Sanji. You know that 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 girl yeah. that pops out like Desuwa. Yep. That that the VTuber. Yeah, it's her. So like she's like super. I feel like she's super authentic in a way that hasn't been really you know refined in the VTuber community. She's like a bright shining star kind of thing in Niji Sanji. And her fan base is like getting super big. I think she passed Kuzaha already. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she sets the new president for like the new era of like JP VTubers, which is nice to see. Yeah. Like you don't need super, super good talent. I mean, her voice acting is fine. You know, like the the Ojo-sama mm -hmm. kind of vibe yeah. is fine. But like when she streams, like you can feel the authenticity authenticity even if you even if you don't really understand japanese if you look at their streams it's really really like like very very fun and it's easy to enjoy and digest and she's also like that you know crazy ass person every niji sanji person is yeah did you know like her her debut i think she showed like a stomach of like uh, the inside of her stomach she showed a picture of <laughs> no she showed a picture of inside her stomach <laughs> I, I heard that she i'm pretty sure i heard that she had like a like she shared her colonoscopy like images is that i think i, I think it was that yeah. yeah that was like that's crazy know, they man break the, they break the whole internet and she's also like breaking numbers constantly yeah there's that period in time where like all i could hear about in and any anywhere that I looked for VTuber related things, all I could hear about was her, and it was is really remarkable because yeah, she just kind of came out of nowhere, and like you said, she was just authentic, and there was a little bit of like a character there, but not really, um, just enough to like get people to like click in. But other than that, you know, it's just honestly being entertaining. Her her whole character depth is just saying Desua. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. I could do that. Which is, yeah, I mean, yeah. Copium, which, yeah. <laughs> which, which is, no, which which is crazy because, like, she's not even playing too much of a character. Yeah. yeah she can't, like, change her voice to be, like, Ojo-sama-ish. 
but like the 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 fact that it can you know she can change it to be something so unique is pretty pretty cool to see. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that you would normally not expect to see in like the corporate scene, right? Because usually when you think of like a corporate environment, you think of people playing it really safe um, and not taking a ton of risks and just kind of using momentum to push steady growth. And that's not even just like a VTuber thing, that's just like how companies work. Like you, you do risk assessment and you don't take big risks because when they blow up in your face, then it's awful. So you do things that are moderate risk or low risk. But seeing uh, seeing a VTuber just lean into it and like having a Niji Sanji like, you know, give her the reins and let her do what she wanted was really cool. And I think you're right that it kind of was like a, the herald of like a newer era in VTubing. A lot of, I think, yeah, like we've talked about constantly, but like seeing that blow up, I think is very inspirational if you are smaller, like an indie, um, in terms of helping you realize and actualize the content that you really want to make um, and not feeling shackled by, you know, the idol mentality or, you know, the react streamer mentality or whatever, whatever was previously popular. Being able to see people kind of just, you know, carve their own path is always a good thing. I feel like, I feel like being like unhinged, crazy sense or not, usually like leads to success in like corporate VTubing because like you have Salome, right? Just insane. You have like Coco before mm-hmm. when she's doing like the, mm-hmm. the, sh- the Asakoko news yeah. and like, you know, just bringing like a bunch of people in, you know, because their, their personality is so bright that, you know, you can't help but look at everybody it. like, yeah, you can't help but just, you know, like them. I think that's true. I feel like the the chill, comfy VTubers would probably find it harder to blow up in the same way. Um, I think part of that too is like the clipping culture um, drives a lot of growth. And when you are that type of zany, you know, off the wall, uh, larger than life type of personality, you become very clippable and very easy to, you know, create short form content yourself or have other people do it of your content. Um, and that's the type of thing that the algorithms really love, you know, being able to be very shareable in that sense. And that's not to say that, you know, you have to do that to drive growth. Cause there are lots of, lots of VTubers who aren't exactly like that, who have very, very good metrics. Not that metrics mean anything really ultimately, but being that type of personality, I think, really lets you make that big splash and, you know, feel like you came from nowhere and suddenly everyone's talking about you. So I, I think I think Salome is a great, a great uh, pick for this type of thing of, you know, in VTubers who made an influence yeah. on you. It doesn't, like, 100% doesn't necessarily, like, depend on, you know, you need to be this crazy, crazy person. No crazy on screen, you know, like XQC, oh no, six monitors kind of yeah. kind of guy. Oh god! You can't just. I mean, even even if you're like a chill person, mm-hmm. you definitely will grow. It's just that it isn't as noticeable, because like 
a lot of people tend to hover like into like high energy stuff. Yeah. But there's hundred percent a market for people liking low energy chill, just a vibe. You drink beers on the side, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. And also, you you touched up on like clipping. I feel like clippers back in the day, you know, back in my day, <laughs> they they are very influential. They are crazy. They use. I feel like they influence a lot on what EN fans perceive. At the time the EN wave hit, clippers have all the power to like show. What their favorite VTubers are, or like how to make them perceive them as is from clips, because if you're like a V, a guy who just a person who just went into V, like discovering VTubers, you don't understand Japanese at the time. There's no like big ENC. You're stuck with watching EN clips, like EN translated clips, and so like the clippers have a lot, a lot of influence. Sometimes I feel like they don't take as much responsibility. Not like they need to, but like sometimes I feel like they just mess up like a image of a VTuber, even though they they don't mean it. It's just that you know the clip, like like for example, the clip Kanae being like a crazy boy. Mm-hmm. He kind of is, but he's not all the time a crazy boy. Yeah, but some people would. See him like as a twenty-four hour like high energy guy when most when in, re- in reality most of the time he's just you know gaming and shouting at his teammates. Yeah, he's just vibing, right? Yeah, he's just vibing. But a lot of times the Clippers made it so like oh he's super 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 hyper kind of guy, which like has like a false image kind of thing. I don't know if it's happening in nowadays. Like the situation, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of EN VTubers right now in the community, way more than what we used to have, and clipping is still relevant, I think, but they are not as influential as they are, they as they used to be, anyways. I don't think. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think it's just like a. It's like simul- simultaneously really saturated. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of clipping channels. And it's also very diluted, where there's just too many VTubers. So it's hard to carve out a niche for yourself as being like the person who clips X VTuber anymore. Um, I think, oh yeah, I think hundred percent. That was a thing that contributed really heavily to like clipping nar- like clip narratives. I think was a an issue that oh. yeah. Yeah, you know, there is one more big issue, like, like you said, like, you know, uh, there, there, there are clippers that fixated on like, sh- like VTuber shipping relationships, mm-hmm. which was oh, dude, oh, dude, that was like the worst. I mean, I enjoyed it, right? But like, come on. Yeah, it definitely like, scratches like a very primal part of your brain. Like, shipping culture yeah. is a a beast that I'm not prepared to dive into right now. I don't think I ever will be. (laughs) But it's definitely one of those things where, like, you can look at it and, like, conceptualize, like, this is unhealthy. Like, these are two human beings, and we're we're projecting something unhealthy upon them. And on the other hand, you're like, I can't look away. It's too entertaining. And I do definitely agree that this is part of why 
there's been there's like this um perpetual tension between you know clippers and the content creators and it waxes and it wanes and you know sometimes there's a moment or like a particular clip that goes viral that causes you know people have a discussion about it and then it kind of goes away but like it's it's a very odd relationship where like ultimately the streamer is the one producing the content but they don't really have as much control as they would maybe like over you know the narratives that come out of that content and yeah especially in the cases of like clipping or like or not clipping shipping or clips being used to like create this persona of what the vtuber is that's like very one-dimensional it's it can snowball really heavily because if like one clip goes viral of you know i don't know vtuber being like a toxic gremlin but that's not who they really are other clippers will see that go viral or you know the, the fans will see that go viral and more clips will be created and then you have like this narrative of you know oh xyz vtuber is a toxic gremlin go watch them you know mauled at their teammates but like maybe they only played competitive games like that you know once every blue moon and maybe it was just like a joke and unless you have the full context of like the whole stream and are able to speak the language of you know whoever got clipped it's easy to miss that context um and it causes issues <laughs> to say the least so yeah it's uh yeah it's odd because i think the ecosystem would not be where it is today without clips i feel like that that 2020 late summer period of you know the hollow en myth debut and all the clips all like even even a little bit earlier like you know all the hollow minecraft clips um and you know whatever else at that same time like all of that was driven forward because of clipping and that's not to say that like people wouldn't have been successful without the clipping because they were entertaining enough to have insane ccv on like live streams as well but without the clippers definitely i i'm of the opinion that the scene would be much smaller or maybe not much smaller, but would be smaller and it's odd because yeah like it's not a inherently like beneficial thing like there's a lot of there's been a lot of negatives that we've seen so it's this weird thing yeah. of like you feel like grateful and happy that people are clipping you but you're also really concerned because like oh god if someone takes something out of context it could be bad or if, you know, someone cuts something in um, a misleading way, you know, false narratives. So it's definitely a lot to juggle. Um, and I can empathize definitely with a lot of the VTubers like, don't clip me, never clip me. I don't want I don't want any of this looming over me. I think that's a totally valid stance that a good number of people do take, which is tragic, but, you know, ultimately understandable. It's just like you're very, very sad because Going back to what I said, like the shipping thing, mm -hmm. once that clip goes out and like people will want more natu naturally because degens, and then what happens is like there's a point if in time I've seen VTubers like fell off, they fell off <laughs> because, <laughs> because they're not fixating on their ship, you know, it's kind of messed oh, up, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Which shouldn't have happened, but it happened. And like a lot of people are, are like always ask, always asking, oh, where is your other like, part partner? You know, when are you going to collab with them again? Yeah. 
did you guys break up? Did you guys fight? Blah, 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 blah. But in real reality, it's just like, you know, you just want to do your own thing. Yeah. And then it turns out it's like that because just from flipping. Yeah. Unlucky. <laughs> Truly unlucky. There's a lot of stream monsters who just want the streamer to act exactly the way I want them to. Which is weird because like, like I said, it's not like anime. It's not anime, but like you wouldn't you wouldn't do the same thing if you were watching like a TV show or you were reading a book, and like the character there did didn't behave exactly how you wanted them to. Like it'd be completely insane. But for some reason, like the live stream experience brings out this awful side of some people where they're just like very controlling and need the streamer to behave, you know, exactly the way they want them to behave, and it's like. Guys, come on, chill. <laughs> Just chill, man. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's a real you human being. It yeah, too far. yeah, exactly. Like the uh, one of like the double-edged sword of like the VTuber, like the anime avatar and everything, is that you have that layer of separation and you don't have to show your real face. But it also makes it really easy for people to stop thinking of you as a person and to think of you as just like entertainment. I mean, you see that with like, like celebrities too, where people project these like bizarre fantasies and requirements of behavior on them. I think it's a lot easier for people to fall into that trap when you don't see the person behind the avatar ever. And all you see is, you know, the anime character. Just uh, something that I think fans probably should be more cognizant of. Um, and creators can definitely remind people of, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm a person too. Like, can, can you calm down? Otherwise, I'll be forced to start handing out bans, which is always. And then it just kills the vibe. Yeah, no one, no one wants that, ultimately. Like, you don't want to be banned. The creator doesn't want to have to ban you. But sometimes, you know, sometimes baby needs to go on timeout. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about it for today. If you guys like the podcast, leave a like. If you guys want to follow for more episodes in the future, you guys can hit the subscribe button and the bell so you guys can get notifications. If you guys are from Spotify, then you can just hit the follow button and then you'll receive news of future episodes. If you want like random stuff on your timeline, you can join, you can join and follow our Twitter. We post stuff there as well and also some clippings of what we do in the podcast. So, see ya. Yep. Bye all.